Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Remain standing for the reading of the Word. We're so glad all of you are here today. So excited about tonight, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, with Brother Raymond Woodward all the way from Canada and Fredericton, Canada. It is going to be an outstanding revival of teaching, preaching. We're going to be on our face before the Lord. Make sure you come empty. What does that mean? It'd be best to turn off all media in your life. The Bible says the full soul loatheth, loatheth the honeycomb. What does that mean? It's like, it's like somebody handing you pumpkin pie after you've just eaten too much at Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, anybody ever done that? How many's ever saw food and thought, no? Was it good? Oh, it would have been good, but you were full. Don't come full, come empty. Let your heart be open. Amen, and respond to the word. How many's ever been hungry and somebody said, oh, did you know? They told you the meal that was waiting. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Look at your neighbor say, come empty. Don't fill up yourself. Push away from some things and come with your heart open to receive the word of the Lord. What a privilege it is always to be home. I want to say as you're turning to the scripture and the book of Acts chapter 9, verse 22, Acts 9 and 22, I uh, want to say there's nothing like being home here. I was just yesterday flew home from South Carolina and uh, just couldn't wait to get back to the house of God people right here in Zanesville. There's no place like home. I love it here. Love you. And Friendship Sunday is one of my favorites, not just because there's pastries out there and speaking of hungry, but uh, because you're here. Some of the most amazing people in the world are, are right here in this building and in this city. I thank God for Zanesville. I thank God for this region. Just clap your hands and thank God for, amen, the people of God. And uh, um, I, I want to pray before we read. Lord, I realize today who I'm preaching to. I know that you've already given me a word for this service. God, you've already confirmed it even in my devotion that this is what I'm supposed to be preaching. Today is going to be the first day of the rest of somebody's life today. It's going to be an amazing transition, transformation and change for somebody. Today, a brokenness is going to be healed. And we glorify you for it. I pray you bless everybody that has made their way to the house of God. Those that are watching by uh, online, that they would be touched and come back tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. In Acts chapter 9, in Acts chapter 9, and it says in verse 22, But Saul increased the more in strength. I do not believe that that necessarily meant that he increased in physically strength but in favor in the gospel. Because it says, and confounded the Jews which dwell at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ, or this is the Christ. Who? Jesus, that he's the Messiah. This is the one of Isaiah spoke about. You have to understand Paul, uh, Paul in every way was a theologian, and he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. That would be like us saying, he studied at Oxford, or he studied at one of the best law schools you know, every major, I mean, some of the, the major uh, universities in the world were started as Bible colleges. How many know that? And uh, he studied at the feet of Gamaliel. Um, it would be like a man that I know that studied at the feet of, of one of the Supreme Court justices that just died a few years ago, conservative Supreme Court justice. He studied with him. I, I bet it was Scalia or something like that name, but um, it, it, it was... It was Paul, now Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul. He's proving that this is Christ. He's not just a, a, another prophet. He's not just the son of a carpenter. It's the Messiah. And so after and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. Same people he worked for are now after him. But their laying await was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to what? My goodness, you're talking about fearful. Somebody's waiting on you to come in and out of the gate of the city to kill you. But the next verse says, Then the disciples, 
took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were afraid of him. Do you understand why they were afraid of him? Because he had, he had killed believers. He had imprisoned believers. And, uh, and afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. I'd like to preach from verse 25. Talk about they let Paul down in a basket. I'd like to preach simply bread in a basket. Bread in a basket. Would you lift your hands today and just thank him for his word. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you for who you are. Oh, we love you. Pray God the message would touch somebody's life and heal somebody's life today. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. Oh, give the Lord a clap of hands and make a joyful noise. The Bible says to the Lord, hallelujah. Amen. God bless you as you are seated. Baskets certainly are not unfamiliar to this area. I was, I was at a family member's house one time. When I walked into that house, I noticed that there was baskets hanging in order from the wall. There were baskets on shelves around the top of the kitchen. Baskets had a little brass plate on it. I didn't realize then what they were until I moved to Zanesville and I realized that they were longer burger baskets. Then found out all kinds of people in the church worked for Longer Burger Basket Company. If you work for Longer Burger Basket Company, would you raise your hand at some point? And uh, I found out people could make a lot of money weaving baskets. I know people make fun of people in West Virginia. I heard you. Soon as I moved here and sat in the first barber chair, when I had hair, first thing they did, where are you from? West Virginia. Well, did you hear about the guy that swam across the... Or did you hear about the guy that, that built a bridge between Parkersburg and Belpre? I said, uh, well, what about the bridge? They said, that was a bridge built for West Virginians so they could swim across in the shade. I said, that's not right. That's not right. And it hasn't ended ever since, I'm going to tell you. But when I was in West Virginia, they used to say, oh, yeah, you probably took a class in underwater basket weaving. How many's ever heard that term? And uh, they, uh, um, baskets, baskets, and... Uh, what are the significance of this? I, I did learn that, that the Longerberger Basket Company, and how many have seen the building off of 16? Would you show, show the picture? How many have seen that? That basket was made in the form of their basket. That was the number one seller is that basket, that shape of that basket. They made their headquarters there, and Dave Longerberger was his goal that every building that belonged to the Longerberger Basket Company would be in the shape of a building. That was his goal. In 2000, their sales of baskets were $1 billion. 8,200 employees, and they had 45,000 sales distributors around the world. Can I just say, people were not buying those baskets to pick stuff up in. It was mainly for decor. And from 2000, with the recession and change in decor, it went from a billion-dollar company to a uh, sales of 100 million. Now, it is not what it used to be, but baskets certainly, if you have a Longerberg basket in your house, would you raise your hand? The majority of the people in here. You know, it's sad, I don't have a Longerberg basket. And I'm not preaching, so you'll give me one, so don't misunderstand me. The uh, baskets, would you bring me a basket? I should have had a Longerberg basket since I do pastor in Zanesville, but I didn't have one this morning. But baskets have been something that's been around for a very, very long time. I'm not here to preach about Dave Longerberger or the building, but I have come to talk to you that somewhere in the Bible, they let a man down out of a window in a basket. When I, when I, think, when I think of these, uh, I think of something that it reminds me of a, it reminds me of a story I heard one time about a, a pastor looked up in the attic and he said he found a basket and there were two eggs and $600 in the basket. And uh, he went downstairs. He said, honey, I found a basket that had two eggs in it and $600. He said, what are those eggs for? She said, well, every time over the years that you preach a bad message, she said, I put eggs in that basket. He said, well, that makes me feel pretty good. I've been preaching for decades, only two eggs. She said, no, every time I got a dozen, I sold them. 
That's a bad gospel in a basket. But here Paul is in a predicament and he is, he is, he, they're going to try to kill him. But somebody saw value in the apostle Paul. Somebody looked at this man that had a past, probably one of the worst past that you can imagine. And I realize when we talk about past, we talk about things we've done wrong. But this man had imprisoned Christians, separated moms and dads, separated children from their parents, had, had even held the coat as he condemned Stephen and was the first Christian martyr. Saul held his coat while they stoned him to death. I mean, you'll see in Paul's writings that he battled this past and he, he will make statements like this. He said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. There's some things I wish I'd have never done, but reaching for the things which are before. You'd see some declaration of confidence in him. He would say, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. Then he'd say, I'm the chief among Sinners. There was this battle knowing what it used to be, but what he is now. Can anybody relate with that here today? That you wish to goodness you could wash the memory of yesterday. But I'm glad to tell you, when you were washed in the blood, it's not in the memory of God. He doesn't see you from where you were. He sees a brand new beginning. Let's clap our hands and thank God for a second chance and mercy. And you will find that somewhere somebody wove a basket they wove a basket and they, they put him in it. You'll find that Jesus is in John chapter 6. He, he is with his disciples and he is training them about ministry. And, and he, he goes out into this desert place and people are interested in what he can do. I mean, he is, I mean he's the man of the hour. There's no doubt. He walks on water. He does a lot of great things. And he gathered a crowd. And the crowd follows him. And he is teaching and talking about life. And, and how many love positive people? He's positive, he's, he's influential and they follow him out and somewhere in his teaching out in the desert there's 5,000 men not counting the women and the children. And one of the disciples looks up and says to him, says, but you know the Lord, I, I, I hate to bring it to your attention but did you know that it's getting late? It's like some of y'all do when I'm preaching. You look down at your phone, you're watching. Hey pastor, it's getting late and uh, I just want to say Lord, just, just hear us for a minute. It's getting so late that everybody's hungry. And we either need to feed them, we need to send them back to the villages and let them get eat. And, and they found a, a boy that had five loaves and two fish. And um, when y'all read that story, right there is five loaves. You say, oh, it's a slice of bread. Well, that's what the loaf meant. When y'all read it, you think one little boy had big loaves about that big around that long, slung over his back, you know, he didn't. A loaf was about nine inches round and was about as thick as a slice of bread. He had two fishes. Would have been dried fish. If you've ever been in Europe or places, they have fish markets. How many's ever been in New York and seen the fish markets? Some of them I've been where the fish are still flopping in the baskets. I have. I've been there and I've seen some that hung. They look like had hung there for days. I'm like, I don't want any of that. And, uh, but I've been in Europe where they have fish markets in the market. They'll have vegetables and they also have an area where there's fish. There'll be dried fish and you purchase that. Well, that way it would have been back in the day, these fish that had been dried. And he had these, he had these fish that were there. And, and uh, the Lord said, hey, why don't you just sit everybody down? Sit everybody down. And, and the Bible says they sit down in the grass and some in 50s and, and a group of 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, they all sat down and, and the Lord got his disciples together and, and he, he, he took bread and he broke it. Only other time I find that he broke the bread was at the Last Supper with his disciples. And he said, this is my body. He compared the bread to himself. He compared the bread to his humanity. He said, when they break me, he said, when they break the bread, they're breaking me. And that's why in communion we break the wafer before we eat it because how many know he was broken? Why was the Lord broken? Why was he beaten? Why was he crucified? Because he wanted to heal your brokenness. He came down so you could go up. He became broken so you could be healed. And there are people in this room today that you know what it's like to be broken and how can I move on beyond this? How am I going to get through this? Anybody ever been there that your life was broken? Come on, be real with me right now. You know, it's, it's a difference between broken and, and then somebody saying they got it all together. Sometimes you don't feel like you have anything together. There's a verse that says he's nine to them that are of a broken heart. How many's ever had a broken heart? 
disappointed, left behind, broken. If something didn't work out, you were broken. And, and the Bible says he gathered his disciples together. Sister Tabor, I want you to come help me today. You're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Come here for a minute. See, when we, when we talk about discipleship, one of the things, when we mention the word disciple in Christianity, we always picture the 12, 12 disciples. But when you get in the New Testament, the book of Acts, disciples were not only men, but they were also women. When the term disciples in the Bible said that the disciples took him and led him down the basket, if you're not careful, you'll read that, you'll think Simon Peter and Andrew and Bartholomew and all these, you, you'll, picture, you'll picture these disciples, original disciples there, but a disciple was a follower of Jesus Christ that's teaching somebody about Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And so, but you're gonna be one of the 12 right now. And so when Jesus was with 12 disciples, he's mentoring, he, they came to him, come, come with me. And he, he took this boy's five loaves and um, he took this boy's five loaves and um, he, he break it. And uh, when he break it, there would have been probably a fish, fish and crackers. And he took that and break it. And he, he said, I want you to go uh, take it, distribute it to the crowd and go ahead. And, and uh, come here, Logan. And, and Jesus, Jesus took the bread and here he is. He, he took the bread and he, he break it. And he gave it to them and he said, go take it. You know, Faith looks like she's real hungry. She probably didn't get a slushy this morning, so go give her. She's got to have a slushy every day, they tell me. And look, look, he knew Maddie needs one too. And oh, look at Peyton. Peyton's getting so tall. He needs, hey, here, here, you got to take, feed Peyton. He's going to get hangry. Stand up, Peyton. And uh, he's, he's going around and he, he's feeding, he's feeding these people. And he, he breaks the bread. and he break, Come here, Logan. You, Sister Tabor. Come on back, man. I mean, my lambs, they gotta, you can't give them that small of pieces. They're going to be hungry. Give, give them. The Bible says they're going to be sufficed. And, and, and the disciples come back and Jesus is breaking bread and somehow, somehow he's breaking it. And Go on, go on. There's hunger. Go feed the people. Ron looks like he's hungry. Ron, wave your hand over there. Sister Tabor, Sister Tabor, go feed Ron. Ron's hungry. He didn't get his bagel this morning out in a desert place. Isn't it something that the Lord feeds them in a dry place? Isn't it something that the Lord takes them to a place where there are no resources but Him? Sometimes in life, God allows you to get to a place where He's the only option. Because He never made you to live without Him. He wanted you from the moment Adam was created that he would be your source of strength. How many know it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength? He wants to be our leader, our God, our provider. He wants to be the one. And he, he oh my goodness, come here, Brother Gators. Come here, Brother Gators. Come on, Brother Gators. Pastor, run up here. Because there was, there was apostles in this group. Oh, Sister Tabor, you can't leave me. There's work to do. There's work to do. And he distributed. He's got, he's got apostles here. And he's saying, go on, go, go, go feed the hungry. Hey, listen, 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 listen. You got to feed the hungry. There are people here that are hungry. There's people in McConnellsville that are hungry. You got to feed the hungry. This is about feeding the hungry. And watch how it happens. It's, it's just bread until it gets in his hands. It, it, it was just a boy's lunch until it's in the same hands that formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And it's not the first time things have been broken in his hands and he puts it in there and he said, I want you to take it and feed the people. And, and they did. They begin to go around. Go ahead. I want you to go feed somebody. Go, go. There's somebody out there hungry. If you're hungry here today, raise your hand. Well, my land, Danielle, what in the world? There was a whole table full of food out there. Friendship Sunday. Go out and feed it. And here it is. Hey, Sawyer, here. Take, take, uh, take these, this broken bread and open up. I've been feeding you since you was little. Open up, open up. I'm, amen, amen. Come on, open, open up, boy. Open, amen. <laughs> I'm going to eat, finish that plate, boy, finish that plate. He's ever going, blah, 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 blah. I mean, remember feeding those babies and they had, uh, uh, well, which one was the bad one? 
the baby food. Do you remember that one of those I tried to feed the kids? It was, how do you remember it was the peas? My land, help him forget some of the things that are behind, amen. I remember feeding my kids peas and green beans out of that, you know, level one. Ah, those kids look at me. Then Cindy'd show up with the good stuff, you know. No wonder they like you more than they like me, amen. But he's feeding them bread. And they're sitting down in a desert place and somehow when they're done, when they're done, they get up. People, when they're done, when they're done, when they're done, when they've left service, when they've left service, My goodness, I love the Harden family. When they're done, when they're done, when they're all done, service is over. Good to have you, Kyle. My goodness, when they're done. Go ahead, Seth, when they're done. I see some of you saying, please throw me a piece of that bread. You don't want this bread, it's a little dry. That was going for Brother Fred. Brother Fred, you were raised in this. And sometimes when we come to the house of God, truth of the matter is we've eaten the bread and we're done. We're satisfied. Oh, service so good today. Didn't you enjoy that word? Oh, I enjoyed that choir. I enjoyed that. You walk out, you're full. Come all the way from Missouri. Somehow satisfied. You know, can I say here today, God always wants you to leave satisfied. Only Jesus can satisfy. How many believe that here today? But the Tyler, when they're all fed and they're all satisfied, he looks at the disciples and says, come here. Here's what I want you to do in chapter six. Come on, come on. He, he, he looks at them and he, and he makes this statement. He says, he says, and Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks and distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. Can I say the disciples of Jesus Christ are not just the pastoral staff. It's Sister Tabor and Sister Debbie and Sister Aleph. Everybody in the building should be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It started with 12. It did not end with 12. I want everybody to say I am a disciple. And Jesus took the bread in his own hands and he broke it and he just gave it to the disciples, broken bread. He gave them broken bread. He put in their life broken bread. I don't know how to say it today, but everybody in this building at some point, God allowed you to be in the hands of a in brokenness and put you into the hands of a preacher. I'm so glad that when I was broken, I had a preacher to preach me out of brokenness, preach me out of chaos, a broken mind, a broken heart, a broken spirit. Hallelujah. Broken by your mistake, broken by that situation, broken by chaos, broken by regret. But can I preach to you? He specializes in brokenness. He specializes with broken people. You might be broken today, but it doesn't mean he's done with you. He knows how to put you together. He knows how to see value in your brokenness. Somebody say amen. The Bible says he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, and he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain. Dinner's over. The crowd's rubbing their bellies. Boy, that's good, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness. That man, I feel so good. I couldn't eat another bite. Isn't that something? Where'd they get all that food? Well, it just looked like it's all coming out of one basket. It is. He is the basket. He is the provider. Amen. I'm going to tell somebody that's in this room, somebody watching, everything you've been looking for other places, you'll find in his basket, in his storehouse. He's got everything you need. Joy and peace and happiness, forgiveness. Amen. It's a place where you can get everything you need. Watch this. Therefore, they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves 
which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. You know what he said? He said, I want you to gather the fragments that nothing be lost. You know what? To some people, come here, come here, uh, look at that. I don't want you to let any of it lost. You know, I know it looks small, but the hand of the master was up on it. I know it looks insignificant. I know it's a broken piece of something that was whole, but I don't want it to be lost. I don't, I don't want it to be lost. I, I want it, 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 it matters to the master. And, and as a disciple, you can't just be a distributor. And as a saint, you can't just be a contributor. Somebody's got to be the gatherer of the broken, the gatherer of the fragments, the gatherer of what used to be whole. So nothing, nobody is lost. If you're here today, you feel insignificant. He wants to gather you into the basket. He wants to gather you into the kingdom. Insignificant and uh, insignificant. Come here, come here, Saul. Oh, Saul, 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 I, I, uh, um, you sit down, Brother Tyler. Listen, you thought you were doing right. You thought you were going down the right road, killing saints, imprisoning people. And one day, you are on your way to Damascus to imprison Christians. And a light, see that light right there? See what I have to look through to preach to you people? A light, it hurts, doesn't it? Yeah, don't look at it too long. You have to get new glasses, amen. He looks at the light. He looks at the light. He's knocked down. He's knocked down. He got to knock down. <laughs> a voice speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Help me now. You got to be Saul. You got to. Uh, you do a little better. Oh, uh, you stand. Yeah, just right there. Just put your hands up. Yeah, it's piercing. And it was the voice of Jesus Christ. It's written in red. Don't you realize what you're doing, Saul? Every time you imprison one of my believers, you're, you're messing with me. Every time you discourage a youth, you're messing with me. Every time you talk about a saint, you mess with me. Every time you talk bad about the preacher, every time you come against the kingdom, you're, not, you're messing with me. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you trying to stop what I've started? Don't you realize you can try to kick my people? It's like kicking nails, kicking pricks. It's going to do you more harm than good. And I know, come on, the light's still shining. And he says, Saul, I've called you to be a witness to, of me to the Gentile people. When he gets up, he's heard the voice of God. Others heard a murmuring, but they didn't hear what God said. And the Lord sent him to Ananias. Now, now you're blind. You might be blind after I take those glasses off, huh, Bubba? He's, he's, he looks around. that he's never seen more clear. He's heard a voice that loves him even though he was working against him. Some of you used to, in the building used to hate God because of your life circumstances and the Lord still reached for you. Still reached. Why did God angry at life and people that walked out. Why did God, and somehow in the midst of all of your pain, bitterness and brokenness, God stretched his hands toward your life He said, I've got something for you. I've got something better than brokenness. I've got something. And in his blind state, they led him to a city where God called man, a preacher by the name of Ananias. And the Lord said to Ananias, he said, he said, I, he said I'm sending somebody to your house. Okay, who is it, Lord? He said, it's Saul. He said, oh God. Can I, can I just remind you of something? He kills preachers. Send me anybody, but don't send that guy. He's a preacher killer. The Lord said, no, I've called him. Hold on. You called him? Him? Yeah, I called him because he's going to be a preacher to the Gentile people. 
I've called him. He's coming to your house. Now I want you to accept him and receive him when he comes because I've got a great work for him to do. And Ananias knew the voice of God. And when Saul comes, he laid hands on him and prayed for him. And watch what he said. Before he was ever baptized, before he had ever seen the fullness of the gospel, heard the God, fullness of the gospel, he had repented because he had a direct word from the Lord. He had repented. And he, when he comes in to this blind man, he comes in and, hey, Brother Saul. Well, I'd probably been saying brother too, wouldn't you? Making sure there's no knives, shackles. He said, hey, Brother Saul. No, really, sincerely. Brother Saul, Lord wants me to pray for you. And he prayed for him. The Bible says his, his like scales lifted from his eyes. He said, look, you've repented. Let me show you something. Come here. Paul later tells the story in Acts. He said, he said why wait? Why tearest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You know why he wanted his sins to be washed away? So he could enter into the calling that he had for his future. God removes past so you can have future. God removes mistakes so you can have purpose. God removes yesterday so you can walk into your calling. I'm telling you today, your brokenness is only temporary. You're about to walk in wholeness and power and demonstration of his spirit. He, he goes and sits in Ananias. Some theologians believe that he studied for two years and, and, uh, I, and he studied for two years. I need, I need a few disciples. Uh, um, uh, Sister Tabor, would you come? I love you, Sister Tabor. Come on, I haven't. Come on, I believe you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. Come up here with me. The Bible says that he strengthened. You see, living for God's about strengthening. God's going to give you influence. You're going to start, people are going to start wanting to hear what you've got to say. And um, Brother Cody, can you remove this speaker? And um, so God starts strengthening you. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to strengthen you. You're not just going to remain weak. You're going to be strengthened. And uh, here he is. You take it away. And... Um, um, here he is, and, and he's having great influence in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's taking the Old Testament because there is no New Testament. He's going from Isaiah, unto us a child is born and a son given. He's saying this is him. What Isaiah prophesied is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's not just another prophet. He's not Elijah resurrected. This is the Christ. It's the Messiah. It's the one that Isaiah said in, 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 in Isaiah chapter 7, a, a virgin shall conceive. And this is him. This is, this is the Messiah. And the, and the Jews started believing that this was the Christ. Then the religious people said, oh, we got to stop him. He is influencing all of Damascus. This guy that used to work for us, the guy we used to send, we had sent him to Damascus to kill Christians and imprison them. He's now one of them. We've got to kill him. And so they stood at the gate waiting day and night for, the, for Saul. He's just Saul. He's not the apostle yet. He's just Saul. He's a new convert. Oh, I feel like preaching. He's a new convert. But you know what? Somebody looked at this, this, this new guy in the church, looked at this person that had had a past, and they believed in him. Because the Bible says when they sought to kill him, oh my, when they, sought, when they sought to kill him in Acts 9, the Bible tells us, then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in a basket. I, I, I need some, uh, um, come here, Rebecca, run up here with Pastor. Come here, Maddie, run up here. Uh, uh, come here, Peyton, run up here. Uh, where you at, Brother Tyler? Get the, you need to go pick up some crumbs. Go get some fragments while I'm up here. And they come and they're in the house. They're up here, up in the wall. They're up on some second, maybe third story window. And, and they're in here and they have been listening to him talk about Christ. They are disciples. They are Christians. And they realize the enemy wants to take him out. There's an enemy that wants to destroy this young man. There's an enemy that would like this new convert to be destroyed. But you know what they said? Oh, we're not going to let him die. We're not letting him go out in the streets. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna put him in a basket. We're gonna, you know what the basket represents? It's the same thing when the enemy wanted to destroy the savior of the Jewish people in Egypt. You know what Jochebed said when she could hide him no more? Ma, can I preach for a little while? She said, let me make him a basket. 
Let me make him an ark of bulrushes. And that's what Jochebed did. She created this safe place when she couldn't hide him any longer. Because anytime there's gonna be a deliverer that's coming, the murderer's gonna try to show up first. They're gonna try to kill the babies. All the baby boys that are born in Egypt for the Jewish women, of the Hebrew women, they were born. And if the baby was born and it was a man child, it was a boy baby, they would take that baby and kill it. You haven't turned me off, have you? If a baby boy was born, they're going to try to kill that boy. Why? They are threatened by the multiplication of the people of God. They are threatened by the growth of the people of God. And when a boy was born, they were afraid that an army was going to rise up that was going to overcome them, so they tried to kill all the babies that were boys in the land. But the Hebrew women that had midwives, Hebrew women learned to have babies without Screaming and making noise because they were so desperate they would, they, they, would, they, would, they would suppress their own pain and their agony in silence because they knew if they screamed and somebody found out they had a baby that the authorities would come and see if it was a boy so they could kill that. But the Hebrew women were so strong they were strengthened to preserve their baby. I feel a word for here. God didn't give you those babies just to have babies. God didn't give you those kids just to have children. Oh no, they're not just another baby. I don't want them growing up being like the world. I don't want them growing up being destroyed. No, no, no. There's a future and there's an army rising up. There's an army. There's a deliverer in my house. There's an army. And the Bible talks about they were strengthened and they had these babies and she hid him as long as she could until she can't hide him any longer. So you know what she said? I'm gonna build a basket. And she took, and the word in the scripture that is for basket was the word ark. Is it any thought to you that the same word ark for Moses was the exact same word ark for Noah? And when God wanted to save the world for one man that wanted to be saved, you know what he did? He said, Noah, I want you to build a basket. It's the same word for ark is the same word for basket with the ark of Moses and the ark of Noah. And God said in a chaotic, crazy world, I have a way to preserve those that belong to me. And I realize the Bible says, woe to them that give suck in the last days. I've had people say, I don't wanna have children because it's the last days, I understand that. But don't you think for a minute you can't have babies because the world's in chaos. God will teach you how to build a basket to preserve your children in a day of chaos. Come on, I'm gonna tell you, our babies are gonna be okay. Our children are gonna, I wish a mother would stand up in this room and say, my baby's gonna be all right. My children are, hey, I'm not living in fear because the world is chaotic. I know the Egyptians would like to take you out, but I'm building a basket. We're gonna build a church. We're gonna have disciples that say, no, we're gonna preserve what is valuable to God. She put him in a basket. They used, in those days, Sister, Sister Tabor, they used, they used grass for Moses. You could weave grass, uh, um, bulrush, or as grass that grew in the water. She weaved it so well. You could weave grass unlike maple. You can weave grass unlike, unlike palm. You can weave grass so tight-knit that it'll hold water. And she took pitch, it was tar. And she, are y'all with me today? She took tar and she put tar around it. Maybe she put it within, but I can't prove it, but certainly without, Bible calls it slime, but it was tar. She put it around it and had maybe a lid on it and she cushioned it and she made a way. What was she doing? Why are you going through all that work? Because I want him to live. Why are you going through all that work? I want him to live for God. I don't want the enemy to take him out. They've said we got to throw him in the Nile. Oh no. I'm going to build something that's going to keep him safe. And you know what? She takes Jochebed. Jochebed takes Moses. I wish I had a basket big enough. And puts him in a basket. Says, I've done all I can do. But I'm going to place him near the palace. I'm going to place him near the edge. I'm going to place him and trust that God. You know what the Bible says? Oh, I feel a prophetic touch of the Lord. The Bible says when she placed him, the Bible tells us that she got him back. Because Miriam was peeking over looking. Mama didn't just let him go. Mama just didn't put him up. Well, they're 18. 
Oh, no, it's not how it works. Miriam, the sister, the older sister's leaking. She's peeking through the grasses. I wish somebody, mama peeked through the, I wish somebody peeked through the grass with me. I feel silly up here looking through the grasses. Peeking through the grasses. Oh, oh, oh. That's the king's daughter. And she says, starts hearing a baby cry. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it, Ben. Don't cry. Your buddy's going to make fun of you. You did a pretty good job. <laughs> Is there a baby in the building? Anybody have a baby? Huh? Let's see. Can I hold the baby? This is not just a piece of tissue. Come on now. We're afraid to talk about it because we're afraid we want to offend somebody. This is not just a piece of tissue. It's fearfully and wonderfully made. It might be small, but the hand of God is upon this child. Come on, somebody needs to stand up and declare the things of God. Somebody's got to quit being fearful and letting the devil speak. We've got to let God speak. Woo! Get that basket. Set that basket right there. That's why we dedicate babies. What we're saying is I'm going to put them in a basket. That's what, that's what baby dedication is. I'm going to put them in a basket. You need to help me because this basket's a little small, you know. Hey, you could have put Vivi in there. I'm rambling now, but I'm in it. That baby was abortion terms. One pound, seven ounces. When I walked into that NIC unit and I saw a baby that long with a head the size of a baseball, I cried. And to think that people could declare that just as a piece of tissue... Remember this, any time a deliverer is coming, the, the, the culture starts killing children. When Moses was being born, they killed the babies. When Jesus was being born, they actually took them by their feet and crushed their heads against the wall. Now it's abortion. You say, I'm here and I, I realize 43% of 43 women have had abortions. I'm not here to condemn you. You fell into the world culture. You fell into a mindset that was false doctrine. I'm not here to condemn you. I believe those babies are in the arms of God. But you look at this preacher. He can forgive you, but we still got to preach truth. We still got to declare the goodness of God. Sister Candy, come here. I'm in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm in the Holy Ghost. You lead our surrendering the secret. Because when you were 17, made a mistake. You can you said, I'd like to help people because you can be forgiven and not healed. And she said, I'd like to go. She later came. She said, I had an abortion when I was 17. I regret it. That unborn birthday, she said, I regret it. But you know what you found? Is there was enough blood at Calvary, not just to forgive, but to heal. She's put that babies in the arms of God. But as for me and my house, we're going to build baskets. As for me and my house, it's going to conceal that child from the world. The world's not going to get my baby. The world's not going to get my child. They've got a future. They've got a destiny. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My goodness, my goodness. I wish Finn would have been as good as you are when he was a month old. Are you ready? She took him. Where am I? I get lost in that. What an amazing child. And there's a little whimpering going on. They've been down by the river. I don't know how they knew. But when mama, when the queen got down there, the princess, excuse me, Pharaoh's daughter got down there, she saw, she said, get that baby out of there. Once she, listen, the reason they can kill babies is because they don't see the baby. It's hard to kill the baby that's looking at you, needing you. 
how can you look at that and think death? No, when you look at that, you think live. I want them to live. <laughs> Sister Krista, it's going to be all right. But you listen to pastor. The reason Jesus sent his mama home when he was hanging on the cross because he had to die. And he knew he couldn't, ha he knew he couldn't die when mama was begging him to live. He knew he couldn't die when she was saying, get off that cross, Jesus. I don't want you to be hurting, Jesus. Get off that cross. He finally said, mother, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. The same hour they went home because he could not fulfill Calvary with mama begging him to live. We got to get some mamas that want the baby to live. We got to get a church that wants the baby to live. Come on, I'm preaching to the church. We got to want the baby to live. And so they drew him out of the water. And when they pulled him up out of the water, when they pulled him up out of destruction, they called him Moses, which means brought out of the water. Everybody say brought out of the water. And she said, look at that. Look at those blue eyes. We're going to save this baby. The problem is, that's a Hebrew baby. I can tell. I'm not a nurse. I don't have any. We need a nulrse. And Miriam comes strolling out of the bulrushes with a Hebrew accent. Probably spoke in maybe Egyptian. I don't know. Been there long enough. She says, I know somebody to be a nurse. I know a nurse. I know a Hebrew nurse. And the princess says, I'll tell you what we'll do. We're going to pay her to nurse this baby. And they give the baby back to her. And she gets paid to do what God called her to do. Are y'all with me? And guess what she got to do? I need the baby back. That's okay. Because once mama gets the baby, once mama gets the baby, she starts doing things like this. You don't belong in Egypt. Egypt's not your home. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Listen to me, baby. There's a future in you. You got to understand there's something in you that's great. There's something in you that's powerful. Come here, Johnny. Johnny, listen. Live a life that this baby can reflect. Live a life a prayer that this baby can look up to because the hand of the Lord has touched you, Johnny. From the moment you were little, you didn't recognize it, but the hand of the Lord is upon your life. And the hand of the Lord that's upon your life is gonna be the same hand that's gonna be upon your child. I come to preach to you, let the baby live. Let the baby, I wish somebody would jump to your feet, clap your hands and shout, let the baby live. Let the baby live. I need some ropes. Remain standing. I'm done. If the ark can save Noah, it's a basket. If the ark, bring it on. The ark. If the ark, come here, up down. Put your feet in there. Put your feet. Just put your feet stand on here. I forgot you got, you got your eyesight back. Give him ring his glasses. Look at your neighbor and say, let's let the baby live. You know what we need to do? We need to throw baby parties. We need to celebrate the babies. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. Hey. Oh my goodness, you're heavy. They're going to kill him. Sister Tabor, you haven't been here for 80 years, but you've been here for a lot of it. Haven't you? All three pastors. Can I tell you something? You might not think you're much, but you're a disciple. When Saul over there that doesn't, he, he knows there's a call of God. He just don't know exactly what it is. He just knows the revelation right now. He loves God. He's built an altar before the Lord. They're going to kill him. If you don't do something, they're going to kill his relationship with God. They're going to kill, help me, I can't do this by myself. He's too heavy. His future 
is in my hands. Every now and then, all it takes is Saul. I just want you to know I've been watching you. I'm so glad you're at church. You got a prayer journal. You write his name on there, Saul. Future apostle. You changed the world. You're not pulling hard enough. It's not easy. All of a sudden, we work the nursery, take care of babies. I know you got a beautiful voice, and I know you want to be in new service, and I know you want to be at Sunday night, but you chase little dirty, snotty kids around. But there's a prophet in him. You're only that big. I know it I know it doesn't look like much. It's just small. But there's hand of the gods upon it. I know it's not altogether, but it's God said don't let it don't let it remain. Because if you let it remain, the crows are gonna eat it. Something's gonna sweep it. That's why that's why churches that have no youth ministries. I would I wouldn't go to a church that didn't have youth ministries. Rebecca, what I'm saying is, it's just a baby. I want, I want you to go out there and find a piece of bread right now. Go, go get a piece of bread. Go, 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 go. Because I promise. No, you got to go further than that. Sometimes you got to go a long ways to get a piece of bread. Come on. Because if I'm holding a baby in the nursery, I'm not preaching. I need you to help me. My wife used to say, I don't even know why I go to church. Three outfits have already been messed up before church ever start. All right, honey. She come walking the foyer. And now, when you don't see her in church, she's hey, here's somebody's kid. Because every baby matters. Maddie, I, I, I know you drive almost an hour to get here. But there's little fragments that remain. And, uh, oh, God, I feel this. I know, it's a, I know it's just a five-year-old Sunday school class, and they're more interested in cookies and crackers than they are your teaching, but the hand of the Lord's upon them. And I know it's inconvenient to get a lesson together and create crafts and things like that for kids, but... He's going to write 16. They didn't know it. He was just Saul. His name wasn't even Paul yet. He's just a new convert. The apostles don't even know he's converted. They still fear fearful of him. But there was some, excuse my term, some of the disciples, we do not know their name. And some of you, your name might not ever be in the lights. People might not know what you've done. He does. It was a Sunday school teacher. Come here, Randy, call. Run, Randy. Our men's director now. Run! I know you're 72, but come on. I'm teasing. He's not 72. Still run. Hey, listen. Now, I brought you all the way up here to send you way back there. Now, here's what I need you to do. There's some things out there that are, are going to be lost. You're going to get your hands on them. I want you to go somewhere beyond the first row and go find it. There's some, there's some crumbs out there somewhere. They're probably on the floor because somebody in the church was satisfied, you know. They had leftovers. That's our problem. We're too satisfied sometimes. But Jesus is not satisfied with leftovers. That's it. You know what we call this? Bus ministry. Outreach. That's good. Come on. Just, hey, hey, hey. That's fine. You found two. That's good. We don't have to have 15 on the van to celebrate. Just one. That nothing, 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 nothing. 
wonder what would happen, Brother Nehemiah, if we'd calm this city the way I'm calming this floor. You realize behind a door somewhere, there's a prophet. Behind a dirty-faced kid, a home of dysfunction, it's the next greatest apostle. Here's the deal. He wasn't just Saul. He was the gospel in a basket. He was the bread in the basket. We're going to preserve him. We're going to hold him. It's called bus ministry. We're going to let him go easy down because we don't want him to fall. <laughs> he hardly finished. I don't want you to fail as a young man. I don't want your Christianity. Satan's desire, desires to sift you as weak, but I pray for you that your faith will be not. What we need, we need some gray-haired saints that can encourage new people. Come on. We need some people that's been this for a long time and said, I know your life's been broken, but there's a greatness for you. There's great. Start prophesying and declaring the goodness of the Lord. Come here. There's a foster kid out there somewhere. Broken. Oh, boy, it's heavy. It's hard to do it all by myself. These are disciples. You hear me preach on Sunday, but this is what's going on behind the scene every week. There's over 120 people that prepare for one service. 120 people behind the scenes for one church service to work. It's a burden. You're heavy. Sometimes it's weary. You get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and go through your prayer. Get up before daybreak and go. Come an hour and a half. Or she's the earliest person. She gets the earliest bird award. She's here. What's she doing? There's an apostle in him. I believe he's going to do great things. And he turns around and he takes the gospel to the known world. He takes the gospel. He writes 16 books of the New Testament. He writes most of the books. Why? Because not just God, but there were some no-name disciples that said, I believe in you and I'm going to let the bread be in a basket. Coach. Somebody's got to love people. Somebody's got to love young people. Somebody's got to love people. So if you're here today and you come from dysfunction, I promise you there's a church here that will love you until you're healed. There's a, come on, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done. There's a hand that's reaching for you that will not let go. Run up here, Julie Harden. Run up here, Sister Julie, come on. Your life was broken 14 years away from God. But there's going to be prophecies in your grandkids if you'll stay faithful. You get a hold of this. Come on, you're a disciple. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's bread in the basket. I say this in closing. I say this in closing. Paul said, you want to boast? He said, let me boast. It's amazing how God speaks to me, Hannah. Because the Lord told me to preach about the basket today. And I ended my chapter, ended my chapter in devotion, and it ends with Paul talking about being let down in the basket. You know how many hands are on your life? You realize it's not just mom and daddy and pastor, sister bands, Bible quiz coaches, youth team, people that have already saw you and never said a word about what they do, but behind them, they're praying for you. You realize how many hands have been on your life? How long have you been in the church? You were born. Well, if you tell me, everybody's going to know your age, so don't tell me. 49 years. Do you realize how many hands were on your life? Paul said this. Brother John, do you realize how many prayers? I got Sunday school teachers. I got Sunday school teachers come up to me that were my Sunday school teachers. kids said, I pray for you every single day day brother Aaron every day they didn't forget me and I was that tall doing Bible memorization verses and they'd wrap their little hands around me pull me and I'd hug their legs not just a tiny tot like Parker Parker doesn't know it but he's got all kinds of hands around him we can't let him go don't let him go listen 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 to everybody now he saw He's just Saul with a past 
you only could see what he's going to do. Paul said, almost. He said, let me tell you what I went through preaching the gospel. This is later in life. This is after he's apostles. Now he's the apostle Paul. God even changed his name because that's what he'll do. He'll give you a new start. I close on this. He said, I preached this gospel to the world. He said, I've been striped. They whipped me with a whip five times. Each time, 40 saved one, 30. I have 195 stripes on my back for preaching the gospel. 95 times. He said, they whipped me with a rod three different times. He said, I was stoned and left for dead. He said, I I spent a night and a day in in the deep holding on to a board swimming. Carry this gospel. I was out. Can you imagine being out in the deep all night swimming because your life has been broken? And the gene, there's people swimming, just barely holding on, but there's a Savior that's going to save them. Listen to me, Brother Gene. But Joe, listen to Pastor. I know I'm preaching with passion today. But he lists all these things he went through shipwrecked three times, beat with a rod three times. Whipped to 39 stripes five different times. He lists all this. But the last thing he writes is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is how my devotion ended yesterday after he already told me to preach about baskets. He said, but there was a time in my life I was in Damascus and they were going to kill me. He said, but the disciples let me out of the window in a basket. He said, the reason I'm still here is because in my beginnings... I had some disciples to believe on me when nobody knew who I was. They held on to me. The reason I'm here because when I was just Saul, somebody believed on me and saved me from the wrath that was I come to tell you, we are the body. We've got to gather the fragments. We've got to believe that every kid, every person, every new convert, every new family, they're going to be what God wants. Come on, I feel like somebody needs to grab a hold of a ministry. I wish there was somebody. I wish there was somebody. Help me, Logan. You can't let me do it by myself. I'm throwing a rope out to some new person. Come on, Johnny. Bring your wife up here and that baby. Help him, Brother Cody. The rope's a mess. That's church organization for you right there. It's messy. Planning. Y'all get this in. I'm going to get this in. Y'all ready? Get together. Get together. Get together. They've been new at the church. Been coming recently. We're not trying to bind you. We're just trying to keep you. <laughs> Tie that rope to that rope. Y'all go over to that side. Go over to that side. Pastor, why are you calling revival? Go on, go on, go on, go on. Sunday through Wednesday. Because I'm trying to strengthen the rope. You get a rope tire, Brother Cody? Y'all stretch over there. Go all the way to the baptism. Oh my goodness. Don't let them go. Just can't let pastor pull on them. Carry the burden. Hey, listen, Johnny, you're heavy. That baby's heavy. Because they keep you up at night. Amen. I'm going to build a basket that's going to save your family. I... Hey, Sister Jackie, you remember we used to go to Avondale and had a bus ministry? Because somebody's got to love the broken. Somebody's got to love the baby. Somebody's got to love the new convert. I don't want to be a 5,000 crowd that just eats the bread. Let me be the gatherer of the fragments. You want to be, a, you want to be the crowd or you want to be a disciple? Be a disciple, you've got to gather fragments.
You got to put your hand on the broken. I'm, I'm preaching somebody. I, I, there's a call of God in here. My goodness, there's a call of God. There's a call. There's a Sister Tabor. There's a call of God. I wish somebody got a burden for prayer. They said, you know what? I'm going after some of the lost. I, I wish somebody come and grab a hold of the rope and say, I'm going, I'm going to hold on. Every church service I'm going to be at, I'm not staying home. No, I'm going to get a hold of the rope. I'm going to let the apostle out of the window. I, I'm, I'm not going to let the baby die. I'm, I'm going to hold on to this family. Come on, mom and daddy. Come on, I wish there were some moms right now to make a covenant. I'm going to get a hold of the rope. I'm going to get a hold of the rope. Let no fragment remain lost. Oh, pastor, I've just been coming to church and eating the bread. There's a lost soul out there. The next great church planter's out there somewhere. Today, I gather. Lord, I pray over this church. Lord, that we will not be consumers, but we'll be disciples. We won't be consumers, but we'll be gatherers. Come on, there's healing coming in this room right now. The bread is being distributed. <laughs> the bread is broken. It just needs gathered. It's still valuable. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.